Monday, 19th of June, 2023. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Acts 17, verse 29. A more literal translation is, Therefore, being the offspring of God, we ought not to think gold or silver or stone, an engraving of craft and device of man, the divine to be like. CG. Paul just finished the last verse in agreement with the quote from a Greek poet saying, For we are also his offspring. With that, he now continues with, Therefore, saying this confirms that what he just quoted from the poet is true. In essence, as this is so, because it is granted as such, he says, being the offspring of God. Paul is initiating a logical conclusion. This, therefore, this. Because we are God's offspring, it is logical that we bear his image. The word translated as offspring is genos. It signifies family, race, nation, kind, etc. Thus it means that there is an affinity between what is being referred to. Without citing scripture, he is stating the essence of the Genesis creation account concerning man. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Paul expects that his hearers would understand. When a cat reproduces, another cat is the result. When an elephant bears, another elephant is produced. He has already told his audience that God made man. Thus, when acknowledging that we are his offspring, it doesn't mean that we are gods, but that we bear a semblance to him. As this is so, he continues with, we ought not to think gold or silver or stone. These are inanimate things. They have no life or breath in them. They cannot think, they cannot act, nor can they respond when spoken to. Anything that takes place in their use is because man acts first. That would include an engraving of craft. The word translated as engraving is first seen here. It signifies a stamp, impress, mark, etc. It is used seven other times, all in Revelation, and all referring to the mark of the beast. The word translated as art is also first found here. It signifies a skill, art, craft, trade, etc. It should be evident on the surface that when a man of craft engraved something, he was the one to make the first move. The thing did not call out for being shaped into an image, but more, what is produced has no qualities of the man apart from a physical image. And because God's image in man is not the physical image of man, as can be deduced from his words of 17, 24 and 25, then to assign such qualities to God would be absurd. And more, Paul continues with, and device of man. The word translated as device means a thought or contemplation. 
As God cannot be seen, it would be ludicrous to think that man could devise something that could be formed into an object representing him. Again, in Paul's mind, he is giving the substance of what scripture has already revealed. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4, 15 to 19 and 23 and 24. Isaiah 44, 9 to 20 gives a brilliant description of the folly of such idolatry and the irrational nature of man who would suppose that producing something in this manner could produce a divine being. Such things are completely opposed to the nature of God. Therefore, no one should consider as such the divine to be like. The word Paul uses is a neuter adjective, not a masculine noun. The word is theos. It is that which manifests the characteristics of the nature of God. Helps word study says it, quote, ties God's essence to his self-manifestation, permitting all people to know him by observing his attributes, end quote. As God manifests himself through creation, we can deduce things about his divine nature from observing the creation. However, we cannot ascribe the divine to what is created. To understand this, think of a watchmaker. We can look at a carefully constructed precision watch that was fashioned by a man, and we can tell a lot about the man. However, we cannot turn around and attribute the man's qualities to the watch. The watch was produced by him, and it bears the mark of his intelligence, patience, meticulous nature, etc. But the watch itself possesses none of those things. When we ascribe such things to the creation, we err in our thinking. Life application. Take the time to read Isaiah 44, 9 to 20 and think about how offensive our conduct as humans must be when we do what is recorded there. Imagine what the watchmaker would think if you picked up a watch and started praising it, not him, for its intricate gears and beautifully polished crystal, thanking it for its perfect rhythm and soothing sound as it whirs in your ears he would think you had gone absolutely bonkers and he would be offended as well. This is how God looks at man when he does something even more outlandish by ascribing the qualities he alone possesses to carvings of wood, stone, gold and so forth. Let us be carefully on guard to give God alone the glory for the magnificent things he has done. We should look up to him as greater than our character, 
morally, spiritually, intellectually, etc., rather than down to created things as if they bore his nature. Israel was rebuked for its false gods because they had the special divine knowledge of God presented to them. Paul probably pitied these pagans because they lacked it, even if they should have known better. In his piety towards them, he admonishes them about what is right. In the verses ahead, he will explain the importance of this to them. Heavenly Father, help us to not have idols in our hearts, but to always find our sufficiency and hope in you. May we be careful to always glorify you for who you are and for what you have done. We thank you and praise you for your marvellous glory as it is revealed to us in so many ways. Praises to you, O God. Amen. Some people make idols, but they are worth nothing. People love them, but they are useless. Those people are witnesses for the statues, but those people cannot see. They know nothing. They don't know enough to be ashamed. Who made these false gods? Who made these useless idols? The workmen who made those gods will be ashamed. Those workmen are only human. If they would all come together, they would all be ashamed and afraid. One workman uses tools to heat iron. He works over hot coals. He uses his hammer to beat the metal and make a statue. He uses his powerful arms. But when he becomes hungry, he loses his power. If he does not drink water, he becomes tired. Another workman uses a line and a compass to draw lines on the wood. Then he uses his chisels to cut a statue from wood. He uses his calipers to measure the statue. This way the workman makes the wood look exactly like a man. And this statue of a man sits in the house. And man cuts down cedar or gets cypress or oak trees. Those trees grew by their own power in the forest. Or he plants a pine tree and the rain makes it grow. Then he burns the tree. He uses some of the wood for a fire to keep himself warm. He also starts a fire to bake his bread. But he uses part of the wood to make a god. Then he worships it. He makes the idol and bows down to it. The man burns half of the wood in the fire. He uses the fire to cook his meat and he eats the meat until he is full. He burns the wood to keep himself warm. He says, good, now I am warm. I can see because of the fire's light. But the man makes a statue from the wood that is left. He calls it his God. He bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, You are my God, save me. Those people don't know what they are doing. They don't understand. It is as if their eyes are covered so they cannot see. Their minds don't understand. They have not thought about these things. They don't understand. They have never thought to themselves, I burned half of the wood in the fire. I used the hot coals to bake my bread. I cooked and ate my meat. And I used the wood that was left to make this hated thing. I am worshipping a block of wood. He doesn't know what he is doing. His confused mind leads him the wrong way. 
He cannot save himself. He cannot say, this statue I am holding is a false god. Isaiah 44, 9-20 from the ICB. Up to the microphone. Can you say, we are God's children. We are daughters. So you must not think that God is like something that people imagine or make. He is not like gold, silver or rock. Acts 17 verse 29